Um, the very first time I ever spoke um, and gave a message was on Mother's Day here, um, about three years ago. And I had gotten a text from Dan, and he said, hey, Laura, um, I really think it'd be great if you would share a message on Mother's Day. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I could come up and talk for a few minutes about Mother's Day. That'd be great. And so I texted him back and said, yeah, that'd be great. You know, about how long do you want it to be? And I get this text back, oh, you got about 30, 35 minutes. And I went, and I looked at my husband, Dave, and I go, I think Dan wants me to actually preach the message. And Dave's like, no, no. That's, you're mistaken. He's not, he's not asking you that. And so I text Dan back, and I'm like, do you want me to, like, be a part of your message or actually be in lieu of your message? He goes, oh, yeah, I want you to preach the message. I'm like, he wants me to preach the message. Um, and so, and here I am again, three years later. And, um, it's amazing when you say yes to God, where he brings you, he brings you in places you never dreamed that you would be. And it's just amazing to be that vessel for God. Um, I don't know about you, but today, um, is anybody else just like wrecked after worship today? I feel like I'm here with like my makeup all down here. It was just amazing. Um, amazing. God is moving in this place today. And I believe he just has, he has more to do. He has something to say today. So, um, Lord, I'd ask that you would just pour out your spirit upon us this morning, Lord. That these would be the words that you speak. And that our hearts would be open to receive what it is that you would have us bring away from this place today. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to continue um, in the book of Luke, and we're going to be talking about today um, sharing the good news, which is so great that you were here. I'm like, that just fits in perfectly about what we're talking about today. That was so awesome. Um, and honestly, this has something that has been a struggle for me for a very long time. So let me just start out by saying this message is probably more for me than you. Um, and it's funny how God works that way, right? It's every single time that I've been asked to share, it's usually something that I need to work on myself. Um, but it just goes to show that God continually uses imperfect people to tell his perfect story. Right? So let's start by reading Luke. And we are in Luke 4, and we're going to read 42 through 44. So at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So in verse 42, it talks about how he went to a solitary place. And I'm sure this was so he could recharge and pray and spend time with the Lord. So even Jesus took the time to be alone with the Lord. But the people found him, right? And then they didn't even want him to leave. But he answers them with this in verse 43. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Now, Jesus could have stayed in Capernaum, right? He had a huge crowd that was listening to him. Last week, Pastor Dan was talking about um, all the healing that was happening that Jesus was doing and casting out demons. He was just doing amazing things. So he could have just stayed there, you know, had an amazing healing ministry, right? Jesus healed many people, but Jesus' ministry wasn't about healing. 
Jesus delivered many people from demons, but his ministry wasn't about deliverance from demons. Jesus' ministry was all about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, for that is why I was sent. Jesus can heal the body and he can heal the mind. But there is something even more important. And that is that Jesus came to heal the effects of sin on our soul. And that's why Jesus had to go out and preach. He had to tell everyone that he had come to overcome the power of sin. And Jesus' words weren't meant for a single audience. They were meant for as many people as possible to hear them. But yet sometimes I think we treat the words of Jesus if they were for an audience of one. And that's ourselves. As long as I'm reading the Bible and being a good person and following his word, isn't that enough? And there was a time in my life when I thought that sharing my faith meant wearing a cross necklace and my WWJD bracelet in public. Right? Y'all remember those? Yep. If I was wearing that, that's sharing my faith. I was proclaiming the good news on my wrist and on my neck. And there was this one day where I was driving, and I had to, um, I had to take a left-hand turn. I was trying to get into a parking lot. And I, was at, and I was at the light, and it was a left-hand turn light, so it was the left-hand red. And so I was sitting there waiting, and someone pulls up behind me, and beep, beep, I heard this honk. So I look behind. I'm like, hmm, no, I don't know that person. They must have accidentally hit the horn. And all of a sudden, beep, beep, I hear it again. So when things like that happen to me, I start questioning if I really know the rules of the road. So I'm looking at this red arrow, and I'm like, can I take a left on a red arrow? No, no, I can't take a left. I'm right. I am following the rules of the road. And so, again, beep, beep, and I'm like, seriously, I'm getting so angry right now. Like, come on, I'm sitting here. I can't turn. I'm a rule follower. I cannot turn on a red arrow. And so finally the light turns, I turn, turn into the parking lot, and as this car passes by me, beep, beep again, and I'm like, really? Come on! And I am just fuming now. So I pull into the parking lot, I get out of the car, shut the door, and I go back to the trunk to get something out, and I put my hand on the trunk right next to the honk, if you love Jesus, (laughs) bumper sticker that I had put there just a few days before. So I was living a bumper sticker faith, right? So easy to forget about the bumper sticker on the back of the car. So easy to take off the bracelet and put the necklace in a jewelry box when showing I was a Christian wasn't very convenient. But none of that was truly sharing my faith. Jesus has called us to more. He has called us to share The good news. I have searched and searched the Bible, and there is not one place where God has said, if you are uncomfortable sharing about me, you can have a pass. I have looked, church. I needed an out. But instead, I came across verses like this. Psalm 96, 2 through 4. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. 
Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Philemon 1, 6. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 9, 16. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Over and over and over, the word talks about sharing the good news. However, recent studies have shown statistically a shift in how Christians in America feel about sharing the gospel. So back in 1993, Barna Research partnered with Lutheran Our Ministries to research the reasons why people did and did not engage in intentional outreach. And 25 years later, Barna repeated the study. And this is what they found. A growing number of Christians don't see sharing the good news as a personal responsibility. In 1993, 10% of Christians said evangelism is the local church's responsibility. Today, 29% believe converting people to Christianity is the job of the local church as opposed to the job of the individual. When given the statement, every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith, in 1993, 9 out of 10 Christians agreed, 89%. Today, just two-thirds say so, 64%, a 25-point drop. So why? Why do people increasingly feel that it is unimportant or not their responsibility to share their faith? I believe we have allowed the enemy to feed into our fears and convince us that it's not important. The enemy is trying to put us to sleep. And here are some of the lies that the enemy wants us to believe. That we are not qualified to share the gospel. And I know personally this has been an area in my life where I have struggled. Who am I? I don't have a degree in theology. Let alone a degree, I don't even know my way around the Bible that well. I can't just spurt out chapter and verse on command. I don't even have that many Bible verses memorized. I am not meant to share I will certainly just mess it up. That sound familiar to anyone? Just recently, I had this very argument with God. I knew God had called me into a new area of serving him. And when it was spoken over me, the Holy Spirit, in that moment, confirmed it in my heart and soul with such power that it literally made me sit down. And in that very next moment, after I felt that confirmation... I began the argument with God. I had a laundry list of reasons why I was not qualified, why I was not good enough, that he was speaking to the wrong person. But you know what? I can't seem to find the verse that says, Go therefore and preach the good news after you have attended a four-year college and have at least three of the Gospels and the book of Psalms memorized. Right? It's not in there. Who were some of the first people to start sharing the good news? Fishermen, ordinary, working-class people. Jesus chose to be with the most ordinary people and told them to go out and share the good news. 
We don't need to be worried about being qualified enough to share about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there moving on our behalf and helping us to communicate and working in the hearts of those who we are sharing with. Luke 12, 11 through 12 says, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 8 says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And Matthew 4:19 says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus did not say, Follow me if you are already fishers of men. Jesus is asking that we follow him, that we are willing to say yes, and he will make us into fishers of men. Another lie the enemy tries to sell us is that I don't need to tell people about Jesus because how I live my life will point people to Jesus. Now, let me start by saying that it is important to live a life that points to Jesus, right? If our words don't match our actions, then our words mean nothing. But I think the enemy takes this and twists it and uses it to keep us silent, so John 15:8 says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So our behavior and our fruit most definitely should point to Jesus. However, there are many people in this world who are good people and they do good things, but they don't know Jesus. I would imagine every one of us in this room can think of a person they know of or have heard of that does good things but they don't know the Lord. So if that is true, how can we expect our actions alone to let people know that we serve the Lord? The gospel has to be shared with words. We cannot expect a world that doesn't know Jesus will attribute our good actions to our love of God. We have to be willing to verbally share our faith. Romans 10:14 says, "But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them?" So at work every year, we have this big event. And all of our project managers and our senior project Um, senior project managers, they go out and they deliver pies to our clients the week before Thanksgiving. I lovingly call this event Pie-a-Palooza or Pie-mageddon because when I say we deliver pies, we deliver pies. Last year, we delivered 800 pies. It's Pie-mageddon, I'm telling you. So we, we order these pies from Sherry like a month and a half before and Sherry's literally has to rent the biggest U-Haul possible to get these pies to our office. And then we have to distribute these pies, um, get them around to the project managers so that they can deliver them to our clients. And each of our project managers at our work have what we call a project engineer, and they're like support staff. So I call in all the project engineers for Palooza Day to come in and help take these pies and unload them. And we have to do this at 5.45 in the morning. It's painful. It's painful. Um, So 5.45 in the morning, I have about 30 people coming to unload all these pies. 
And I know that if I want them to come, that I better feed them. Because, you know, if you feed them, they will come, right? (laughs) So I always order breakfast. And this particular year, I had ordered from Blazing Bagels. And that's a little bagel shop in Seattle. They have the best bagels. They're amazing. And my very favorite one there is called the French Toast Bagel. And it's exactly like you think. It tastes just like French toast. And it has crystal sugar on the top. And it's amazing. It's my favorite. I love it. And that day, all the projectors had come, all the pies had been distributed, and my coworker and I went up, and there were two bagels left in the box, and one was the French toast bagel, and I was so excited because I got to have my French toast bagel that morning. So her and I grabbed our bagels, and we started to walk off, and a project engineer came running up behind me and said, Laura, I'm so sorry. I was off talking, and I came up, and now there's no breakfast left. Are there any breakfast bagels left? And in my flesh, I was like, no! (laughs) And the Holy Spirit was like, Laura, come on. You know what you need to do. And I'm like, but it's my favorite! And the Holy Spirit's like, Laura, come on. This whole conversation in my mind took about 2.5 seconds. But I turned around and I handed her my bagel. I said, of course, there's one left. Here you go. And my coworker just kind of looked at me, didn't say anything. And quite honestly, I forgot all about it. Till about a year later when that same coworker was sitting in my office and she said she was struggling, struggling with being kind to people. Now she had had a very hard life growing up and had built this wall around herself. And the way she kept people at a distance was like with sarcasm and barbs and negativity. She just wanted people out here. And she was sharing with me how she was really struggling about being kind. And she goes, remember that pie of Palooza where that project engineer came up and you just handed her your bagel? You just didn't even think about it. You just handed it to her. I don't understand why you did that. I would never do something like that. And ashamedly, church, in that moment, I wanted to just sit there and smile and nod and, and say nothing. But the Holy Spirit was like, you need to tell her. So I looked at her and I said, well, you know, I really did want that silly bagel really bad. But Jesus within me had me give it to her. And she looked at me and she goes, so Jesus told you to give her the bagel. And I thought, oh, I know where this is going. Okay. And I said, yeah. Yeah, he did. And I thought, well, this is where she gets up and leaves my office and goes and tells my coworkers, um, Laura's Jesus tells her to give away bagels. <laughs> but she didn't. She looked at me and she said really quietly, you know, I think I need to start listening to Jesus too. And I got to share with her over the next few months and She no longer works with me, and I have no idea if she's continued seeking after the Lord. But in that instance, if I would have just sat there quietly and not shared, she would have just thought I did something nice. My actions alone were not enough to let her know that giving my breakfast away had absolutely nothing to do with me. And it had everything to do with Jesus in me. I had to tell her. This is why Paul says, how can they hear if nobody tells them? So, 
How do we combat these lies of the enemy? I think the first thing we need to do is get excited about the good news. We should be excited to share the gospel. How many of you share exciting things that happen in your life? Right? For those of you that are married, think about back when you were preparing for your wedding. Right? You probably sent out invitations asking all of your friends and family to join you. Right? Because you wanted them to share in the joy of this event. I don't think you had the discussion, well, I don't know if we should invite anyone. What if we offend people because we're getting married? What if they don't like us anymore because we're getting married? What? Maybe sending them an invitation is pushing our friendship too far. You know, I don't have the vows memorized at all. We might totally mess up these vows so badly that people won't believe a word we're saying. No, you didn't worry about any of that. You wanted everyone that you love to share in your joy. Now, some of you might know that Dave and I had our third grandchild born just two weeks ago. And this is Madison Grace, and that's her big brother, Charlie. (laughs) Madison is Charlie's baby. She is adorable. Now, some grandparents start spamming pictures of their new grandbabies to everyone, posting a zillion pictures on Facebook. I, I am not one of those grandparents. I would never take advantage of the opportunity of a room full of people with a very large screen to blast them all with pictures of my new grandbaby. That, that just would not be appropriate. We don't, we don't have any more? Oh, okay. <laughs> of course I've been sharing pictures with everyone. I go to the grocery store and they say, paper or plastic? I go, oh, you want to see my new grandbaby? Yes, here you go, right? I am so excited. Why? Because a new baby in your family brings so much joy that your heart can barely contain it. So then why do we hesitate to share the greatest joy of all, the joy of our salvation? Why do we get so concerned about what people think or how it will sound? Let's quit worrying and get excited about what God has done for us. And one of the ways we do that is by sharing our stories. All who follow Jesus are part of his plan of redeeming the whole world to himself. We are the light of the world. There is no plan B. And the way we can reach people is to start sharing our story. Every Christian in this room has a story. If you've been a Christian for one month or for 90 years, you have a story. A story of being lost in our sin. A story of being separated from God. And a story of being found. A story of finding mercy and of finding hope. And of how Jesus paid the price our sin it's the story of being saved revelation 12 11 says and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death and daniel 4 2 says it has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most high god has done for me and mark 5 19 says go home to your friends And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. God takes our mess and he makes it into his mission. The Bible is 
full of broken people that God uses to further his kingdom. So let's quit letting the enemy tell us that we don't have a story or that it's not worth sharing. The reason I know there is so much power in our story is because the enemy works so hard to keep it quiet. How many ladies were here at the last Acts 2 night where women um, shared their testimony about the time of the retreat? Wasn't that powerful? It was such a powerful time. Um, So many women just stood up and spoke out. It was so amazing. Gwen, is Gwen here? Gwen, there you are. So I'm going to brag on Gwen for a second because Gwen is scared of talking in front of people. And she got up here and she shared her testimony that, like, that is what she does every day. It was amazing and powerful. And Debbie got up here and shared, and she laid her heart bare in front of everyone. And it was so powerful. And then other women just spoke up from the audience. They just stood up and shared their hearts. And I was one of the ones that also shared my testimony. And when I sat down, the enemy hit me like with a hammer and said, I cannot believe you just said that. That is so ridiculous. No one's ever going to ask you to speak again. And a couple days later, I was in small group, and Debbie and I are in the same small group. And we were talking about the testimony time. And she said, you know, when I sat down, the enemy just hit me and said, why did you say all that? I can't believe you said that. And she said she was talking to Tamara who had shared, and Tamara had said, I felt the same way. Like I felt like I just wanted to pull all those words right back into my mouth. That's because we have power in our stories. We have power in our testimonies. And the enemy will do everything he can to make us not say a word. Because the Holy Spirit moves through our testimony. And if we are God's plan A, then it doesn't, make, doesn't it make sense that the enemy is going to throw everything he can at us to make us stop? The enemy wants to silence us to keep others from finding Jesus. We are surrounded by a world of people who are lost. They are stumbling through the dark, choosing again and again the things of this world. They are trying to find hope. They are trying to find joy. And they are coming up empty. And when we step out and share the light of the gospel, we are throwing out a lifeline. We are showing people that life can be found in Jesus. It's not about having the perfect verse to say, but it's about sharing the story of the perfect lamb that was slain for us and for them. We also need to realize that God doesn't ask us to create faith in others. And that might seem exactly opposite of everything we're talking about this morning, but I don't have the power to create faith in any heart. You don't have the power to create faith in any heart. And it is not what God has required of us. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7, Paul says this. I planted the seed. Apollos watered the plants. But God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process. But God who makes things grow. We are powerless to convince others to trust in Christ. We have to depend on the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. 
When we share our faith, we have to be emboldened by trusting in God's power to save. And several months ago, I got to attend a class at um, Northwest, and it was a class called, it was actually called Discipleship Made Easy. I'm like, this is the class for me. Um, And it was amazing. It was taught by Dr. Daniel Brown. And for those of you that don't know who Dr. Brown is, he is very well known in the Foursquare denomination. He was a pastor, but now he speaks at convention and leads seminars, and he's just got amazing insight. And the class was truly amazing. It was incredible. I took so much away from it. But this particular thing I want to share with you is he was sharing about why we hesitate to share our faith. And he said, we come under the assumption that if I share the gospel with someone, that if they are not immediately converted at that moment, I have done something wrong. Right? That I somehow have not shared the gospel correctly, or I haven't communicated it correctly. So because we are afraid to fail, we don't share. And he went on to say that on people's hearts that don't know the Lord, it's like they have a combination lock. So you remember those old school locks that you used to have on your locker, right? Okay, I just dated myself. But the the locks, they had the combination, right? The three digits, and then it would pop open. It's like people have that on their heart. And when we share our story, we might just be allowing the Holy Spirit to turn that knob nine to the right. Right? We don't know the entire combination. We might not even see that entire combination come undone. But we have to be willing to share So the Holy Spirit can move and turn that dial. And maybe we're encountering somebody that has another encounter before, and we share our story, and the Holy Spirit can move that dial 24 to the left. And maybe we meet somebody who is just ready. They know they need something. And we share our story, and the Holy Spirit moves in and turns that combination 19 to the right, and that lock pops off. And the Holy Spirit moves in, and Jesus can enter into their heart. We don't know what part we play. But isn't that freeing that we don't have to know the entire combination? By sharing the gospel, we allow the Holy Spirit to turn the knob of that lock that holds their heart shut. And our role in their story might just be turning the knob nine to the right. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, says this, Successful witnessing is simply sharing Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. God has entrusted us with the privilege of being his ambassadors, his spokespeople. Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, Paul could have just hung around Jerusalem, right? After finding Christ, he could have just lived his life quietly, not saying a word. But he didn't. He couldn't. The disciples could have just gone back to their hometowns, went back to the lives that they had before Jesus. But they were so moved so excited, so full of the Holy Spirit that they had to share it with everyone. And not just in their neighborhoods, even outside their country, they were empowered to do things so extraordinary, I bet even beyond what they imagined. These ordinary, common people 
set the world on fire for Jesus. And 2,000 years later, that fire still burns today. Church, how can we do anything less? Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. To bring the message of hope, to bring glory to God. God has entrusted us to be his spokespeople. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Are we truly loving our neighbor if we are not willing to share the reason why we are called to love them? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I want to leave you with this. Where are you called to go? Where is your mission field? Is it your next door neighbor? Your coworkers? Your college campus? Your school? Maybe even your family. God has called each and every one of us to go out and share the good news. We are called to be the light. And it's time that we quit letting the enemy tell us that we are not fit or not qualified. And it's time we quit letting the enemy keep us silent. It is time to stand up and shine so brightly that the darkness flees. By the authority given to us through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can share the joy of the good news to those around us. I love this verse in Jeremiah, and I I feel like this is how we should all feel. And this is Jeremiah 29. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It is like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Church, it is not a matter of should we share the good news. It's a matter of will we. I love this quote by Lisa Bevere. And it's you become dangerous to the enemy when you are fully awake to God. Church, we need to wake up and take a stand against the enemy. Let's become dangerous. It's time to quit letting the enemy tell us who we will and will not speak to, what we will and will not share. If he hasn't already, I would just ask that you would take this moment and ask the Holy Spirit to bring someone to mind that you can share your story with. Who do you know that needs to know the good news of Jesus today? Maybe it's someone that perhaps you've been hesitant to share with. Write that person's name down in your bulletin. Write it in your Bible. Someplace where you you will remember it this week. Then pray for God to provide you the opportunity to speak to them. And have the Holy Spirit turn that lock nine to the right. If you need prayer for the courage to share, to bind that voice that's been telling you that you aren't worthy that you aren't good enough, please 
let us pray with you this morning. There will be people down here that will pray with you. I will pray with you. Those chains can be broken this morning. If you want someone to stand in prayer with you over someone you know needs to know Jesus, come forward and we will stand in agreement with you. And if you are on fire and excited for what Jesus has done for you, please, this week, share your story. Find someone and share your story with them. Let us become fully awake to God's calling this morning. Let's speak the good news, share our faith, and share our stories. And we're going to watch a quick video. And let's ask the Lord this morning, where is my mission field? God has given us ordinary people an extraordinary calling to take the gospel to the broken places to the places where there is need need of the gospel